Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We're going to read from Matthew 18 today. It is a parable, a story that Jesus tells. The reason he's telling this is multi-leveled. The narrative, the, the narrative we call Matthew, the author is speaking to the church and instructing the church of the day in their certain situation, which is why the gospel's written in this way. Speaking to a church who is struggling. So speaking to every church, Amen. Yeah, And Peter, in this struggle, in the story, is wrestling with forgiveness. Again, a struggle for every one of us. And so what's going to happen is, in the midst of trying to understand how do we work through differences, how do we do this as people, but more importantly, how do we do this as the church who proclaims the name of Jesus Christ? What makes us different in the way that we work through differences. And so you're going to hear the passage, Peter's question that seems so simple, so straightforward, and Jesus' response that doesn't, as Jesus often does, because we usually come, we usually come to Jesus with our own framework, if you will. We, we've already decided it's got to be one or the other, And Jesus will just question the whole structure and system of the framework itself because often we we don't get it yet. We're still working toward that. And I relate this, and it touched me this morning in our morning time on Zoom. The topic of cancer came up. And I think everyone, all the households that were on there except for me, had all been touched by this terrible disease and sickness and all that it brings with chemotherapy and radiation and recovery and ongoing health problems. And even if you've gotten through that, then a friend tells you they're diagnosed and suddenly you're reliving it again. And so we spent time in conversation talking about how people that have been through it can just enter into that into an entirely different way than those who have not. I just, I can't relate to it the way that someone who's been through it can. What a gift that can come through this sickness, that then you can take the pain that you've had and know what it's like to be on the other side and just the beginning and to be able to enter into with someone with the kind of connection and understanding and support that couldn't be given by anyone else. I lift this up because we are all sinning. We're all sinners. Amen? We struggle through this. And those of us who have experienced grace react differently to people's sins than people who haven't experienced grace. I guess we've all experienced it, whether you've recognized it or not. When you are constantly in a state of recognition and gratitude for the grace you have received, you respond differently 
than other people. So I want you to hear Peter's question, kind of coming from this framework that isn't very grace-based, and hear Jesus' response in the story, and then we'll unpack that a bit. So you'll hear from the Common English Bible, Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold, along with his wife and children and everything he had, and then the proceeds should be used as payment. But the servant fell down, kneeled before him and said, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he paid back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that happened. His master called the first servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have the mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guards responsible for punishing prisoners until he paid the whole debt. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we, we have an interesting story. Kind of gets your attention at the end, does it not? Your heavenly father will do the same to you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We just prayed this in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I love the first part. God, forgive me. It's the second part that I struggle with. Amen? So let's talk about this story because it's quite a profound story and some of it gets lost in our English context. So the king represented by, it's, or the God is represented by the king. The king is doing what a good king does, settling accounts. We are grateful for people who are in charge of accounts that keep them settled and balanced. Amen? Yes, so thank you, Connie and, and Bob and others who work with the church's finance. We want them to keep things settled. This is a good practice. The king is doing a good thing. Someone owes, and the king is settling the account. Now, here's the kind of funny part of the story that we kind of miss. They owe 10,000 bags of gold. The understanding was, in, in that context, was that one bag of gold is somewhere equivalent to about 20 years' worth of day labor wages all added together. One bag. So this guy owed 200,000 years' worth of day labor. That's assuming he didn't eat or spend any money. 
It'd take 2,000 years to accrue that much debt. It's a ridiculous debt, kind of impossible to actually accrue because once you've got one bag of debt, who's going who's gonna to give you another bag, let alone 9,999? There's humor here. There's, There's humor in the story. Jesus is responding to Peter with some humor because think of Peter's question. Do I forgive seven times? So someone wrongs you, you forgive them once. Someone wrongs you again, you forgive them again. You're keeping track, right? If you're keeping track, are you forgiving them? No. So it's a silly question from the get-go. Do I, do I forgive them seven times? And Jesus says, 77 times, right? Because if you're really working to keep track, that's, that's just kind of a miserable life to be in, to be keeping track of who owes you what at what time. But that's the way that we like to work in this world, in this culture, by the old way of thinking. We think through still in our lives this way. Maybe it comes in the form of a bill, right? And you actually owe money and you have to settle that account or consequences come. That's the way that, you know, our economy uh, kind of runs our culture, right? We make lots of decisions based on the economy and we even do that in our faith without knowing it. And so we may be thinking that we can only forgive somebody so many times or maybe we're still keeping track. We see the ledger that we keep for others. So before we get back into the story, you know, we talk about in the Methodist faith of provenient grace. Have you heard this word, provenient grace? This is one of the three types of grace that John Wesley talks about, preaches about, that's all through everything he does. Provenient grace is that part of grace that we're unaware of, that God's grace that comes before prevenient, it comes before our awareness. How many here had lots of grace before you were aware? Yeah, lots of grace before we were aware. We had a, a ledger accruing with the things we were doing that were not good, hurting people. But we had grace even amidst that. So the king is settling accounts, doing things right. This man owes a laughable amount of money. And the man's response is when he learns that his family is going to be sold and everything's going to be sold to pay this debt or to work towards it. The man says, give me more time. That's hilarious. That's like saying, you owe $4 billion. Can you give me till Wednesday? Can you give me a few days, right? This guy is so locked into this way to understand the relationship with the king and with ledgers that he thinks time will solve it. We know it won't. There's no way it could. You can't live 200,000 years, let alone not eat or spend any money in the meantime to pay the debt. But then the king steps outside of the role of a good accountant and instead has compassion on the human being. This is where the story changes. This is not the kind of thing a king will do. Do you know what will happen if a king starts forgiving debts? No one's going to pay their debts back because the king will just forgive them, right? This is not a good move by the king in the old framework. But Jesus is trying to introduce something new, an invitation to grace. Not just to Peter, but to us. Peter is the foundation, the rock of the church we're being spoken to here. There's an entirely new way to understand this. So what does the king do? Forgives the debt entirely. Can we even grasp the tiny bit of what that would feel like 
to watch 200,000 years of debt and the threat of family being sold, being in prison the rest of your life, suddenly be gone for seemingly nothing, simply out of an act of compassion. Would that bring a lot of questions to your mind? Would you believe it? Would it take a while to accept this news? Except the man doesn't seem to even acknowledge that it happened, does he? Because he walks out and he goes to someone who owes him 100 coins, a tiny, tiny fraction of amount, and grabs him by the throat and acts in a way that's anything but merciful, anything but gracious, and throws that guy in jail. He had the invitation to be a part of this new way of understanding everything, this grace-filled way, and he says no to it. He goes back to the old way when he's on the other side. So John Wesley has this prevenient grace. We have our ledgers, but we have the grace. But there comes a moment when we change our thinking, when we suddenly realize our need for God, when we suddenly realize we can't make up for the ledger over time, that it doesn't work like that, that that's not even the way God thinks. And suddenly we realize our need for God and we cry out to God. As Paul says, we cry out, Abba. And in that moment, Wesley says, we are justified. The ledger is destroyed. It's gone. Our debt is forgiven. In that moment, when we realize the old way is gone and we enter into the new through baptism. And then at the same time, we receive sanctifying grace, which is with us evermore through the Holy Spirit to help us learn this new way of thinking, to grow into it more and more to God's better and more perfect way for our lives and for the world around us. This is our journey. But sometimes we can go back to that old way, can't we? We might be doing that now. There might be entire groups of people for however our culture has divided them up, and we, we, we come up with all sorts of divisions. I don't even think we need to name them, do we? And we can come across people just in our daily lives that may do something that we just find to be really offensive. Maybe they cut you off in traffic, right? Maybe they say something rude. Maybe they say they're not going to vote for the person you're going to vote for. How dare they? And we suddenly are in a position. We feel like we know better because everybody feels that way. And as Christians, we should know we know better. But we kind of have to decide, are we going to go to the the old way of ledgers, are we going to step back into that and think about what they've done and what they owe? Or are we going to stand over in the way of grace and acknowledge what's been forgiven us? Something that time could never, could never have taken care of. Only the grace of God and take care of it. And then, are we going to act like the servant? Refuse this invitation to grace and step back into the old way? Because you know God will allow you to do that. That's the end of our passage today. God will allow you to say no to the invitation to grace. And you can remain in this other way. And it's not a very good life. Because you're either keeping score of others or you're keeping score of yourself. And you're trying to earn life through your actions, which we know is never going to happen. I hope that we accept the invitation to grace. That we acknowledge that we were once there too. That maybe we'll do it different. 
that maybe we'll acknowledge what we've been forgiven, that we'll thank God for this grace. And when we come across someone else who may be so twisted, they don't even resemble human being. But we can know that we were there once too. Will we respond in a ledger manner? Or will we respond in a manner of grace? Will we remember that we were once in a place where we didn't know any better either? We didn't realize that God was working on our behalf. Do we have faith that the Holy Spirit can maybe even work through us to bring people to the place where they cry out to God, where they change their lives and they begin a life with the Spirit and God's grace evermore? I am so thankful for the people that did not treat me in a ledger way in my life. And there are many I could name. And they certainly had every right to do it. And I wouldn't have blamed them for doing it. But they had a better way. And that changed my life. And I try to remember that in the moments where I'm struggling with someone who maybe owes me something. Maybe it's an apology. Maybe it's respect. There is a better way. And I hope we as the church are not only acknowledging this, but working toward being more a part of this in each and every moment of our life in such a way that is so bold that the world around us starts to ask questions too. Because this world has suffering. Amen? And suffering brings questions. Amen? I think grace brings just as many questions as suffering. But the kind of questions that might lead you forward into life with God. You can can suffer and have cancer or have many things that some of you have dealt with and wonder why. Why does this exist? What's its purpose? This isn't fair. I think the same questions belong in, in the realm of grace. Why? Why do I deserve this? What does this mean? God's grace is so good. And the Holy Spirit wants to shout God's grace in your heart and lead you into the way that you may say yes to the invitation of grace in Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.